G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I must have been so engrossed in my reading and my praying and and all of that because I didn't hear the footsteps. And so when the door opened, I was caught with my my Bible in hand. And then he snatched the Bible from me. He burnt it. And then I stood up and I I faced him and I said, I'm not going to give this up. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Sabrina Sharma was born in the United Kingdom and spent her childhood growing up in Fiji and Australia in an Islamic family. She eventually became a Christian and is now a human rights lawyer. God has used her numerous times to help survivors of domestic violence. She's written about her experiences in her book called Jesus in Syria Lane, which tells how God led her back to Fiji and how she helped save the life of a young lady in an abusive situation. So what has inspired Sabrina and given her the passion to care so deeply about marginalised women and especially single mothers? We'll find out as Sabrina shares her story and the story of others who the Lord has led her to help. And for parents, because of the adult themes that will be discussed, today's program is not recommended for young children. Sabrina Sharma is chatting with Eric Scadabo. Sabrina Sharma, welcome to the program. Bless you, Brother Eric. Thank you for your kind invitation. Well, you are a very busy person, so we really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us today. Let's go back to where it all began. Let's see, you were born in the UK and moved to Fiji when you were three years old. Is that right? That's correct. I was born in London, Hampstead, Mm -hmm. London, Mm -hmm. where my father was uh, at Lincoln's Inn. Uh, He studied law there. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we went across, we flew across to Fiji, and my father continued his career in law. However, he um, obtained a seat on the bench, so he became a magistrate uh, in Nandi, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where life pretty much started for me. His his life was very, very busy. Um, much of his days were occupied with cases, so I was placed uh, predominantly in the care of my nanny, my Fijian nanny, named Elisa. Now, she was from Navodi village in Nandi, Mm -hmm. and uh, she was a very um, beautiful Christian lady who first began to teach me about Christ, and and I believe that's where the the seeds were were planted initially. Oh, okay. So now you were raised in an Islamic family, but yet you had a a Christian nanny. That's correct. Well, most most uh, indigenous Fijians in, in Fiji uh, follow the Christian faith. Mm. So it was normal at the time to have someone from an indigenous Fijian background um, to be a nanny at home for the children. Mm. And, uh, and, and I, was, so I was spending a lot, a lot of time with her and uh, she'd, she'd teach me about Jesus. She'd always say to me, 
Rina, which is short for Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a nickname she gave me. She said, Rina, if you ever are in doubt about anything in life, if you're scared, if you're afraid, call on the name of Jesus and your fears, your worries will all go away. So, um, of course, I laughed at her because, oh. you know, to a small child, um, knowing about Jesus was was odd and funny because, as you correctly stated, I was growing up in a, a Muslim family. So I knew Islamic prayers and I knew Eid al-Fitr, which is the, the feast celebration to mark the end of 30 days of fasting in Ramadan. Um, so this Christian concept of Jesus was very alien to me. And so we'd have, you know, little jokes about it and things, but she never gave up. She never gave up on mm. letting me know about Christ. Um, a short time after that, uh, the, the coup happened, uh, 1987. And so we ended up leaving Fiji and migrating across to Australia. Okay, can we just back up? I was wondering, why did your dad move to Fiji in the first place from London? Oh, he had grown up in Fiji. Both my parents had grown up in Fiji. And before that, their parents had come to Fiji from various parts of the world. We're we're talking uh, India, Pakistan, Middle Eastern areas, if we're looking at my ancestral Wow, you have uh, quite a heritage. Yes, and so my parents ended up um, growing up in Fiji where they met and got married and then moved across to England where my father pursued law, and that's where I was born. Oh, I see. So he was just in London temporarily for his degree. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so then he eventually gets his degree and moves back to Fiji where he's from. Yes. And so how common is it to have a Muslim family in Fiji? Fiji has quite a large population of, of Muslims now. So there are Muslims, Hindus, and Christians. From mm. from the research that I've conducted, the predominant population are Christians mm. from um, indigenous Fijian backgrounds and Indo-Fijian backgrounds. So more and more um, Indo-Fijians are coming to Christ as mm-hmm. the gospel is is being taken around Fiji, which is which is absolutely amazing. Praise God for that. Um, but yeah, so my my journey ended up coming back to Fiji from England and then coming across to Australia, not knowing at the time why. <laughs> as a child, you don't know why you're being taken right. to another country away from my home and and the home I'd known and and friends. And my my nanny, whom I absolutely adored, and um, started life in Australia. And it wasn't until I was ten years of age we had uh, scripture classes uh, in in year five. And oh, okay. I was at a school called Mangravat South State School, which is now known as Wishart Primary. Um, beautiful school, um, a, a smaller school back then, and. Um, I met my RE teacher. Her name was Mrs. O'Shea, and she gifted me my very first Bible. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a pocket size. I believe it was one of the Gideon's ones, and it had beautiful illustrations inside, which just captivated me. So I took this Bible home with me, and I'd read it underneath my quilt via huh. torchlight <laughs> just to see who who is this Jesus and what are all these 
these images in you know in in these pictures and what's going on what's the birth about and and all of this um, amazing information that was yeah. handed to me at the age of 10 so quite captivating that was i believe the second time something beautiful from jesus had come across to me in my life after meeting my nanny mm-hmm. and um the third occasion was when i uh finished high school i was handed some books that i'd inherited from my grandfather from my father's side now my grandfather from my father's side was quite the scholar he was a member of the police force in fiji when he was alive mm-hmm. but he owned a number of books on christian theology don't oh. ask me why huh. <laughs> yeah. or how they came into his possession but he had these books on christian theology he had books on judaism and he had books on islam and of course he had the, you know shakespeare and jean jacques rousseau and you know all these philosophers mm-hmm. and so i began reading up on about all these philosophers and things but but came across his books on christian theology which really piqued my interest really how old were you when you were starting to read these deep books so at that time i was about 16 oh, okay and so my journey grew i started reading these books and i started reading the bible a little but i was very uncomfortable with it i didn't like the idea of the jesus that the christians would present as lord and savior because it was so it was so foreign to me and in islam it's considered a sin mm. we're, we're traitors if we take on a god through jesus mm-hmm. and then we'd have these what what we'd call in, in some of the muslim community i would call them bible thumpers you'd have the the people knocking on our doors wanting to spread the gospel and mm-hmm. you know there were times i'd invite them in and have huge debates but each time i i had these discussions i would always feel uncomfortable very uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know when you're on the right track when you're doing something right and you know god's with you you will experience a lot of peace within i didn't feel that i didn't feel that as a muslim even when it came to my islamic prayers i mean look i'd pray five times a day mm-hmm. and the the obligatory islamic prayer so i would pray but there was no relationship with god there was no relationship mm-hmm. because even when i'd supplicate and lift my my palms in prayer it felt like a very dark world there was so much emptiness Hmm. There was no response. I would speak. I would cry out to God. There was no response. There was never a response. Hmm. So I was going to ask you. Obviously, yes. years later now, you're you've been a Christian for so many years now. Yes. What are your general impressions of the difference between when you were a Muslim and being a Christian? Yes. The the greatest impact it's had on me. I feel as if a veil rather a hundred mm-hmm. veils have been lifted before my eyes mm-hmm. that's how i feel i was walking under a cloud of darkness not knowing who god is not having a relationship with god being a muslim and i'm not criticizing my 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 muslim uh, friends or family members but there was just no relationship there's no there's always a sense of 
fear because you mm. don't know. You don't know whether you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's, there's a fair bit of Islamic scripture, including the traditions of the Holy Prophet, which is known as a hadith, which says that your intentions determine whether you go to heaven or to hell. It's mm. based on your good deeds. Now, in my mind, and, and this occurred throughout law school when I was studying law, mm. I thought to myself, but what about those people who can't perform deeds? What about those people who can't partake in, in the, the mandatory pilgrimage to, to Mecca? Mm. So those questions were, were always in my mind. And so the, the biggest impact has been these veils have been lifted. I can see. I was blind. Mm. I was blind. Now I can see. I can see God. I can see how much he loves me. I can see the relationship he has with me to, to the point where he loves me more than I know. He loves you, Brother Eric. He loves people of this world more than they know enough that he's died for us to gift us that free gift of, of heaven, what we say in Arabic, Jannah. And mm. that is the sweetest, most amazing, precious most treasurous gift one could ever ask for. Yeah, I think for a lot of us being born and raised Christians, we just kind of take a lot of this for granted. But for you, you were kind of obviously in a different tradition and a different way of looking at God. And it sounded pretty impersonal, if I'm understanding you right. And so That's you've gone correct. from the impersonal not knowing whether you'd be accepted by God to knowing for sure Yes, God loves you. If you put your faith in yes. Jesus, you are accepted. You're adopted into the family in a personal way. Absolutely. Is that about it? Hallelujah. Yes, yes, that is absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. It's, you know, being in the arms of my loving Abba, my father, and knowing and believing that mm. he will not forsake me and trusting that he's got those beautiful plans to prosper us mm -hmm. is one of the most amazing things that that I've come across in mm -hmm. my faith journey because I, I I haven't come I've never come across something like that in my life and that can only be offered through Christ through mm -hmm. knowing Christ mm -hmm. through accepting him as our lord and savior You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with human rights lawyer Sabrina Sharma, who's sharing her life journey. Next, we'll hear more of Sabrina's story, including the persecution she received for reading her Bible. All that and more is coming up when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, human rights lawyer Sabrina Sharma is sharing her life journey. Before the break, we heard how she grew up in an Islamic family in Fiji, but always had an interest in learning all she could about Christianity. Next, we'll hear how her desire to know more about Christ grows, despite undergoing severe hardships. And a reminder to parents that today's program is not recommended for young children. How did you eventually put your faith in Jesus? <laughs> I was I was growing very slowly in in Christ. So in in on your school, own, right? 
well, God never gave up on me. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you was... and God, but I mean, you weren't part of a, an official church or anything or, no, or no, Sunday school no. class. No, no. But what I did do, um, interestingly, in law school, um, I, I had a few friends who were in my, my criminal law class who um, were Christians. Mm-hmm. And uh, I suggested to them, I said, hey, let's have a Bible study class. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to form a little group of, of law students. No, and- wait a second. Wait a second. The Muslim <laughs> young lady is asking the Christians to form a Bible study? Yes. I wonder the Muslim what they thought about that. Is- <laughs> well, they welcomed the idea because mm-hmm. at that, remember when I, from when I was 16 onwards, mm-hmm. I was on this path to investigating Christian theology, reading mm-hmm. up more about it. In fact, I I kept joining up on all these local libraries just to borrow books out. Unfortunately, the the maximum number of books they could allow me was sixteen at a time. And I thought, oh, <laughs> wow, no. you're maxing it, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, an avid reader here, but just yeah. loved to read, and I wanted to know. I had this thirst, yeah, and I wanted to read things and literature that would present evidence to me. Mm-hmm. Because God knows I'm very evidentiary based. Well, you're a lawyer, and, of course. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and uh, and so at law school we we started with these Bible study classes. Mm-hmm. I was coming towards Christ very very slowly, mm-hmm. and um, my faith started to grow slowly, slowly, year after year. When I was hit by certain certain circumstances which would bring me down so um by that i mean uh, i am a survivor of rape and i am a survivor of uh, domestic violence Hmm. so in a couple of those instances um when i hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. there was no pleading to allah i had i had my nanny's voice in my head saying rena if you're ever at a point when you're scared when you feel like you can't go on, mm. call on the name of Jesus. And I would, I mm. would scream and weep out his name, Lord, Lord Jesus, if you are here, if you are real, touch my heart, please touch my heart, please speak mm. to me, please just take this pain away. I cannot take it anymore. These were my pleas that I would implore. Oh gosh, would I, I was supplicating and I was praying and I noticed that Sometimes I'd I'd be praying and I'd fall asleep on my little prayer mat, mm-hmm. and I'd I'd wake up in the morning, you know, hair all over my place, <laughs> all over uh-huh. my face, and yeah. and you know the blanket in one direction. But I'd wake up and that heavy heaviness on my heart, the heaviness on my chest, would be gone. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I mean: how he's always reached out to me. Mm-hmm. On that evidentiary basis, he showed mm-hmm. me the evidence. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hang on, there's something here. So on one of these occasions, when I was in a relationship with someone, um, and I, I can't discuss that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I can say that in that in those circumstances, that person also um, from a very extremist Islamic background, with ties to uh, terrorism, hmm. um, was quite offended. I'd, I'd apparently offended them because I was kept in a, sometimes I was kept in a burqa there. Um, there were times where 
if they had just seen a Bible on me, I'd be beaten up. Oh, I'd wow. be threatened to be burnt with um, like petrol on me and threatened to be burnt with a lighter or a match. Oh, wow. And these threats continued for a while. Um, so I was, I was starting to hide my Bible. Mm-hmm. And one day the, the person came, came back home and I, I, I must have been so engrossed in my reading and my praying and, and all of that because I didn't hear the footsteps. And so mm-hmm. when the door opened, I was caught with my, my Bible in hand. And then he snatched the Bible from me. He burnt it. Um, after mm. he burnt it, he, he kept kicking me and beating me up. And, you know, the strangest thing, um, brother, in, in that moment when he was kicking me and he was spitting at me and he was, he was punching me, I, as, as painful as one would feel, I was not feeling the pain. My heart, uh-huh. my mind just kept seeing Jesus crying out, hmm. Eli, Eli, why have you forsaken me? I just kept hearing that. Hmm. And and then I stood up and I I faced him and I said, I'm not going to give this up. And he said, until you renounce your faith, we're going to burn you. And I said, no. Oh. So I refused to because I thought, you know, in that moment, I thought, hang on. Christ has has died for me. I'm not going to succumb to someone's control because he or they have a problem with Christ. Mm-hmm. So I refuse to. Now you were taking your life in your own hands by saying that. Yes, yes, but this was this was more about more more than that. This was more about what this meant to me. This was about standing mm-hmm. up for mm-hmm. the right. Thing. And I'm not encouraging anybody out there to lay their lives on the line. You know, we, we have to be wise in our dealings and mm-hmm. we have to be yeah. very vigilant and aware of what the circumstances are around us. But in that moment, I just I just couldn't hide my faith and myself and my Bible and anything anymore. And having my Bible was the most precious possession I had on me at the time. It, it was everything because it, it opened up this beautiful door to God. Mm-hmm. And I was growing in him and wanting to understand him. And so I said, enough is enough. And I reached out to some of the federal authorities mm-hmm. who were able to assist me to, to leave that situation. So you were growing, but yet you found yourself in a relationship with somebody who vehemently opposed Christianity? How did that come about? So that came about through circumstances where I found myself with a a person who pretty much had, uh, a, you could say, a public face. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. I didn't discover the, the extremism side until after oh, I okay. had um, okay. taken part in a ceremony with him. Yes. Okay, so there was more to the story, which unfortunately is very common in abusive situations where there's a public face and then a private face. I'm sure you found that to be the case. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I discovered um, a fair few um, of his links to, to terrorist networks. 
That's part one of Eric Scatterbo's conversation with human rights lawyer Sabrina Sharma, who's sharing her life journey with us. And I have to say that it was heartbreaking to hear that she was beaten and badly mistreated for reading her Bible. It's sad to think something like that could happen to somebody. However, I was happy to hear she was able to get out of that situation by contacting authorities. If you're listening today and find yourself in a similar situation, you can call the 24-hour National Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Counselling Line at 1800RESPECT. That's 1800-737-732. Once again, that's 1800RESPECT. All the numbers are 1800-737-732. Also, if you'd like to pray with someone, our prayer line is 1800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of our conversation with Sabrina Sharma. We invite you to join us again next time as we hear how her faith grows and about some of the challenges she faced in her relationship with her domineering Muslim father. That's all coming up next time. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I looked towards my right and I saw a group of men running to the direction of the screen. So I'm running after them. And I got down the lane and then I saw a woman who was on the ground laying flat, being punched by a man who appeared to be her partner. And I prayed. I said, Lord, we've got to do something. What do I do? And he said, speak up. Human rights lawyer Sabrina Sharma has been used by God to help numerous survivors of domestic violence. She's written about her experiences in her book called Jesus in Syria Lane, which tells how she helped save the life of a young lady in an extremely abusive situation. We'll hear more of Sabrina's story next time. The Story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.